I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, dammit! Ah, we'll have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You wanted your file? I found you your file. You wanted out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you no use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I knows you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was gonna love me? Who, who was gonna make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets your shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost it right this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I swear that child has a pact with Satan to destroy me. And my name is Colin Drucker, and are those sausages I smell? Oh, what a day. What a day. What an episode this is going to be, y'all. Yeah, this is going to be because, you know, here's hoping I don't cry as much during this episode as I did while watching this movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Core memories unlocked. I have a whole list of just like flashes of this movie that I forgot about, even like watching the trailer, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think I did last week, too, for It Takes Two. But um, but this one, it's like a weird trailer. It's like a... It's a trailer, not a trailer. Like it's like, I think there's a certain classification of trailers where they they have like a like a voiceover. Yes, like they, talking about the movie. Where that's kind of done now. I feel. I agree that that voice, that kind of like in a world where yeah. one little girl will learn what it means to grow up. Yeah, like I feel like that style, unless it's being done ironically, doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, it's very. Um, I picture it in like my best friend's wedding. It's like meet Jules. Yes. And, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. And, yep. And there's some kind of like song that's now in a Toyota commercial playing in the background. Yeah. Yes. Like an "I'll Take You There" is playing in the background. <laughs> and her best friend George. I'll take you there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can like I can picture this whole thing. Or yeah. like you can't hurry love or something uh-huh. like that. Yes. Uh huh. Yes. Oh my god, that's definitely during like the montage towards the end of the trailer. Yeah, she's driving the the bread truck at the uh-huh. end. Uh huh. Yeah. Yes. I just I, I have so much time to stop a wedding. Wherever the line is, I have yeah. twenty four hours to stop a who's wedding. Cha- yes. Who's chasing you, Jules? I say that to myself all the time. Who's chasing you, Nick? Who's chasing you? Uh, <laughs> I'm chasing well, a dog all over the house. No, yeah, that's right. Yikes. <sighs> well, yes, today uh, we are continuing our uh, our short-lived you know, uh, tradition of the past few weeks of discussing children's movies. Uh, and this is, unlike It Takes Two, where it was like, are we really doing this? Is this really... What do we and I and I'll tell you I love the It Takes Two episode I had a lot of fun doing it but we yeah, all knew fun. that it was not up for Oscars consideration, um, and could it maybe stack up against some of these other prestige pictures that we've had you know weave their way through this podcast, but 1995's A Little Princess, oh excuse me this movie is prestige it is prestige nineties kids movies i would say but also great for adults oh my god well that's the thing is it's like i you know i went into it knowing it's a children's movie because i watched it so many times as a teenager Uh, but i because you know i anytime it was on i was like well this is what i'm doing today but it's it is that great like children's movie that that is aware that adults are also watching yeah it never felt you know, there's some times where, I mean, we're going to talk about Amelia Minchin and, and eventually, but she's kind of the comic relief in a way, too. But I, it's just, it's dramatic and it's like, it feels like a warm hug. It feels like I'm hugging my, you know, 10-year-old self and it feels like such a safe space. And I, I watch this movie a lot, too. And like, I, for some reason, even though it's called A Little Princess, I never felt... You know, sometimes you edit yourself, even at that young of an age. We're like, well, I can't watch this movie called A Little Princess. But I just, I went ahead anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, I may have not been telling many people about it. I I think when I texted you about it, it may have been the first time I ever came out about it as being a little princess head. (laughs) But I, yeah, I mean, it, it, 
I think it's something that is, yes, it has like the title and the cover art and the sort of the, the Warner Brothers family thing. We're like, okay, this is, this is like a 12 year old girl's birthday party at the movie theater. Like I'm creepy watching this but if only dare to dream i mean you know having a lot of female friends when i was 12 i got to sort of experience that but um this is like the full fantasy it is going to see a little princess the movie theaters and just crying into your hair for an hour and a half (laughs) (laughs) it's so beautiful and the direction is beautiful alfonso cuaron Mm -hmm. is just like killing it and like the the color palette in this movie is my palettes like so much green it's like the amadova red meets the quran green you know what i mean mm-hmm. absolutely it has that same like it, it's it's the, almost the same green that is all throughout the McAllister house and home alone it's that like yeah. that forest 90s green it's like oh it, it just looks like money Yes, the schoolhouse is beautiful. I want I want to visit this place. I don't know where they filmed it or if it was a set, but I I'm obsessed. My sense was like I because they they kept it all kind of you know um, contained kind of one corner. It looks like everything was filmed on a set. But yeah, the, uh, this wasn't some like beautiful. nook of the Lower East Side that still looked like the 1920s, you know, or the 19 oh my te- 19 teens or. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine like a little princess tour in Manhattan? Oh my God. I would, I would, I would be on that bus every week. Fuck the sex in the city <laughs> I'd be tour. The, I'd be the one giving the tour. Yeah, yeah exactly. It would be me. Yeah. <laughs> As Miss Minchin. Yeah, absolutely. With like, I'm, I, I'm assuming that is a fake mole on, on her neck. That's a Miss Minchin mole, not an Eleanor Braun mole, but I would have that mole either way. Of course, it's the details that matter. So yeah, I mean this. This is I'm so happy we're doing this movie because it, while it is like something that we kind of have just queened out about as like you know uh, previously young gays now older gays, it is an excellent movie. It is so like it sucks you in immediately. I don't think it wastes much time. I don't think there's much fat on this movie. I did not find myself getting bored. I didn't have that feeling of like, oh man, it's a period piece. How how am I? What's going on now? There's a war. I I was the moment it started. I was just like, oh my god, look at that elephant. Look at her playing on a Buddha head in a river in India. Uh, I'm here yes. for the duration. You know, that's core memory number one is her cl- uh, climbing up that uh, head, that rock in India. I was like, yes, it's a beautiful shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm immediately kind of right back on my couch in 1995 or 96 and just I'm ready yeah so a little princess for anyone who does not know is a it's currently available on Netflix so I think it's making its way off Netflix soon so if you're listening to this you know get to it before the new year or find it somewhere else but uh it's about a a young girl who lives in India with her father um and there's probably a whole narrative about like British colonization in India that we I don't want to dig into I don't want to find what's problematic about a little princess but I just want to say that on the top that like I don't need my (laughs) my bubble popped about this movie yeah yeah but uh, with World War One starting, you know, her father has to go to war and he sends his daughter to a boarding school in New York where she'll be safe. And the school is run by the wicked Miss Minchin, as played by Eleanor Braun, uh, and her sister, Amelia Minchin, as played by Rusty Schwimmer. And, uh, you know, she's a she's a, a strong energy and a strong influence on the girls in the school. But then the news comes that it appears her father has died in the war and the British government has seized all his company and all of his assets. And apparently or uh, essentially Sarah Crew, his little daughter, is don't got a pittance to her name. And uh, she ends up becoming another one of the servants of the house or the help as Ramona would say, um, where she grows closer to uh, Becky, who is currently the servant of the, of the boarding school, and they develop what I can only call a best supporting friendship. Oh, my God. They're so adorable together. They are. It is. I mean, I, I think that's a category we should keep in mind for the Westons. We've done best supporting friends, but I think best supporting friendship, like, th- like the bond between two characters, I would say... 
and some other similar examples might be Debbie Miller and uh, yes. What's Her Snakes. Um, oh my God, I'm forgetting. Juliette Lewis. Juliette Lewis's Lewis, character. Yeah. I can't believe I'm forgetting her name. That's okay, um, I forget. Uh, Beth. Beth, of course. Beth. Um, oh, Beth, come on. Um, <laughs> I would say Beth and Debbie. I would say Sarah and Susie and Suspiria. Um, oh yeah, I mean, if we're going back, like Anna and Maya and Pen Fifteen, uh, uh, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. I would say there. Oh, there was another one. For, oh, 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 Tyne Daly and Caroline Aaron from Hello, My Name Is Doris. Oh my God, yes. Obviously, Tyne Daly and Sign and and Seinfeld with Sally Field. Um, you got two <laughs> kinds of stuffing: real cranberry sauce. Uh, but I think there's nothing like watching the two of them play cards. Tyne Daly and Caroline. I was just Aaron. gonna say you forgot to knock. You yeah. forgot to knock. Oh my God, you forgot to knock. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and it's, it's, I feel like there's like 15 to 20% kind of magical realism in this movie. And then the other kind of 80 to 85% is sort of this Dickensian tale of this girl, you know, uh, enduring the evil Miss Minchin and the, and the perils of being a servant girl at her boarding school. Oh yeah. I mean, do I need to know? how all of that decor got into the bedroom while Becky and Sarah were sleeping. No, you just go with it. That was always one of the things that I was so fascinated by whenever I'd watched this as a kid. And I can't remember the first time I saw it, but this was like it takes two. It would be on, you know, HBO or one of the movie channels and, and, you know, fish and chips in Boston. How could I resist? You know, as a wise man once said. And so that scene when, after Miss Minchin has punished them and punished her for stealing the the locket, or no, maybe that's after. Maybe they find the locket afterwards. But um, no, this is she. This is where she's like, "That's it. I'm yeah. Uh, I'm locking you away." Oh, when all the girls are up there, and that's yeah. what it is. When all the girls are up there, and then you know, Sarah, you're going to be locked away in your room for the next day, and or no, Becky, and you know, you're going to be locked away, and Sarah, you're going to have to do all of Becky's chores. Ugh. And neither of you are getting any meals. And then they're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And and they're imagining what they're, you know, no, look, we have a feast on the table. Look over there. There's muffins. And, you know, they're just put, like doing the make-believe of the feast they're going to have. And then the next morning, there it is. How did they not wake up when someone moved them into a bed with all new sheets? Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say, yeah, they could have left that part alone. You yeah. Know what I mean? But I think that. There's a lot of that throughout the movie where it's like even at the end with her father then remembering her, it's because the um the Indian guy kind of like works a little magic with him. And I think yes. he this, this is all a, this is all a bit of magic. Um, you know, even there was a when she cast the spell on Lavinia for her to lose her hair and she's like, oh, it's just a little spell I learned from a witch in India. Like there's always throwbacks to like the kind of supernatural or spiritual power of like, you know, Eastern religion or of India or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it adds to it in such a beautiful way. I, I, it, it's just enough. Like you said, it's like 15 and 85%. I think it just makes this, I don't know. The word is just like, I was, it's like wonder and um, adventure. And I feel like Sarah is like the, the coolest protagonist you could ever have. She's like so kind and fair, even though she's like a a rich kid and she never really loses herself. I mean, maybe in her darkest hour during this movie, but like she still finds friendship and leads with love and positivity. And I just think she's so she's such a great actress. Oh, my God. Let, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's let's talk about Liesl Matthews. <sighs> She is so good in this movie. She plays, of course, Sarah Crewe. She has a very brief career. She was basically in this movie, and then she played Harrison Ford's daughter in Air Force One. Oh, my God. That's pretty much it. But don't, you know, don't cry for her, Argentina. Congratulations on the World Cup win. But uh, she comes from big money, much like little princess Sarah Crewe. She comes from the family behind the Hyatt Hotels. Whoa. And so I don't think Liesl's ever needed to work or needed to continue working if she didn't want to. And then I read on IMDb that there was some settlement or something with her family. Something happened. Anyway, she got a $500 million settlement and was like, at like when she was in her early 20s and was like, all right, well, 
I'm going to go do some good in the world. And she started doing all this like philanthropy work and like educational stuff, including in India. So I love the full <gasps> connection, oh. you know, that she like honored Sarah. Um, so yeah, Liesl Matthews between like on screen and off. I'm like, you are just a fucking boss bitch. I just want to be Liesl Matthews. She's so cool. And she's a good crier. And I, I'm, I'm thinking now too, cause like, there's a world where I would want this to be a Broadway musical, but mm. I feel like I'd also be good with it just being a Broadway play. I don't know if we need the music, you know? I just want it to be this, like, incredible, I don't know, like, sort of, what was that one? Um, it was a book, like, the something, the dog in the nighttime. What was that? The Curious that? Incident of the yeah, Dog in the Nighttime. something like that yeah. that was just, like, so visually stunning and, like, just airtight and beautiful. I, I could picture it on stage, but I don't want some hokey pokey score by Andrew Lloyd Webber. You know, it'd have to be someone really mm, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want that Jason Robert Brown guitar, you know? <laughs> hey, we love Jason Robert <laughs> we Brown. We do. Yeah. But, but not for a little princess. No, I don't need Miss Minchin going and die at any point, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And, and I think there's that sense of like, I, you know, that idea of like characters who sing. I, I don't need to see Miss Minchin sing. I think that's nope. kind of like the Devil Wears Prada musical. The problem is yep. Miranda doesn't sing, you know? Yeah, I don't think that. I mean, would there be a great number for Amelia and Francis? Of course. The Milk Song, you know? Of but, course. Uh, nothing, not everything needs to be turned into a show. I think like in my mind, I just, you know, I picture it on stage and it would be so cool, but it's also fine that this just exists. I actually bought this movie because I didn't know it was on Netflix. I don't know oh. how I missed that, um, but it was four ninety nine on YouTube. And I was like, yeah, don't mind if I do. I didn't even think about it. I think it's it's worth owning. I, it's something that yeah. I would watch again in a second. Um, just... Just to, I don't. I mean, whether you want to get wrapped up in the narrative of it, or the acting, or the music, or the cinematography, or I don't know. It just there's. I feel like the rewatchability on a Little Princess is ridiculous. Yeah, like you said before, it is. Every movie should be an hour and thirty seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, and this is something that I think there was like a British mini series that was like almost three hours long, and I was like, oh, I could not endure. This like what if there was like a whole hour of just like Sarah being terrorized with by Miss Minchin? I Ugh. my heart can't take that, and it was enough as it is because the the way the movie kind of structures is like the first half hour is Act One, and then uh, this you know guy Mister Barrows, the the barrister for the family, arrives at the school about a half hour in to announce that you know uh, he's dead, uh, that the father is dead, and then you know like immediately Minchin goes from kind of like a eh, little, little strict kind of tough, kind of like not much of a sense of humor to like nurse ratchet. And she's just like, that's oh, it, God, bitch. Like you're my responsibility now. And via my charity, you can stay here and work and like, doesn't owe her a shred of respect anymore. So then you get to kind of like the second act of the movie, which is really just like the perils of Sarah, which is, I don't, I don't need hours of that. And then it's really the third act where like the magic kind of swoops in again. And, and, you know, she, she and Sarah or she and Becky, you know, um, they, they get some revenge on, on Miss Minchin with the, with the chimney and, you know, she's telling stories in the attic and like, she's kind of like finding her princess status again. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I mean, to go back to Mr. Barrow, too, I'm sure you recognize who that was. Vin Vincent Schiavelli. The ghost from uh, the, the subway ghost. The subway the ghost. The subway ghost. Yes. yes. Oh, the most terrifying part of ghost, in my opinion. Absolutely. He actually had a really interesting micro moment when he I think it's before he goes into with Miss Minchin to her office where he's just kind of solemnly watching the children's party because it's Sarah's yeah. birthday and it's like he knows that he's about to deliver the worst news you know and it's know. and it's her fucking birthday and I thought that was a really clever detail um to just kind of give that like one scene character a moment yeah to Vincent to Vince to Vincent yeah to Vincent to, but you're right yeah. it's like I I like I love the idea of like finding your princess status I feel like everyone should be doing that every day in our darkest moments because it's made those you know the perils of her being like demoted to like the nth degree really is made 
digestible, I guess, because of Becky. Like there's there's always someone there. There's the monkey next door, and you know, and and Becky and their bond that they create. And it's not like the girls stay away for too long, too. I mean, God bless that Ermengarde. Oh my God, I would I would want to play Ermengarde. Oh, Ermengarde. Ermengarde is of the. Of the, because I, you know, let let's talk about these these other kids. You know, yes, uh, I have Curly Sue. Yeah, I've got a couple clips of Sarah. We can we can talk about, but uh, yes. but yes, all these other kids are. I mean, continuing a tradition that we experienced with Erin Brockovich and all those baby baths, and even occasionally one or two lines from It Takes Two. It tastes like a balloon. We are just swimming in good child acting lately. Um, yes. These kids did not annoy me at all. Even little Lottie with her screaming. I know. I was like, I would kill this child, but you know, eventually it's used for good. It is used for good. And sad news: the actress who played Lottie passed away last year. Oh no! Yeah, Kelsey Mulroney. So oh. uh, that's always like the sad part when I go on IMDb, especially with like older movies, like older Hollywood movies, and like I'll just like scroll down the cast list and I'll find like a woman who's like 12th cast in the movie from the thirties and like eight times out of 10, she died at like age 27 or something like that. There's so many like tragic little Hollywood stories of like, you know, just actors who kind of got lost in the studio system or who just kind of peaked and fell or often the case alcoholism. And I've just like saved their IMDb profiles to like a list in my like IMDb like account. Cause I'm just fascinated by these people who just, are completely forgotten in some ways, you know, and then you go and you see, oh, wow, she was in 27 movies before she, you know, crashed into a tree because she was a drunk at 32, you know? Um, and it's, I don't know, I'm not saying that Kelsey Mulroney's like that, but whenever I see, like, an actor who dies young, I, I especially an older actor from, like, Hollywood in the past, I think, ugh, there's some added tragedy to that. You know what I mean? There's some, like, fallen, you know, potential star, yeah, it's it's an interesting sort of angle to to sort of ponder upon like what happened to these people. And, you know, we're making up the story of what we think happened, but 9 times out of 10 it, it might be. I mean, being a a child actor, I can't even imagine. Right? I mean, there's that too, right? Especially if you're starting as a child actor, I just kind of feel like, "Oh god, help you." Like Liesel Matthews it really did it right. She was like, I'm going to do two movies. I'm going to work with Alfonso Cuaron. I'm going to work with Eleanor Braun. I'm going to work with Harrison Ford, Mimi Rogers. I think that's who played the mother in that. And, and then, and, and Gary Oldman and I'm out. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the <laughs> rusty swimmer. I'd want to, I want to work with her once, you know? Oh my gosh. She's great. It, I was trying to figure out where I've seen uh, rusty swimmer recently and I kind of scrolled through her IMDb and this is like, I don't want to say a deep cut, but if you've ever, I know this is controversial, but whatever. Uh, she played Louie's sister on Louie. She had a great episode where she was pregnant, I think, and she had to be rushed to the hospital. And it's like a three, maybe even like five minutes, it felt like, uh, like scene of her screaming bloody murder all the way to the hospital. And they get to the hospital and then she just lets out like a two minute fart. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's amazing. And she's so good in it. And I think that was, that might be one of the episodes that Louis won for like writing in a comedy series. I could be wrong, but, um, but yeah, Rusty. Wow. I mean, I could, I could absolutely see her playing his sister. Like I, that's, yeah. that's great casting. She's actually. great. Yeah. Um, that show, I know I understand. I, I fully understand all the caveats, but I feel like anything else, if you can just analyze something based on, the bubble of it being like the writing of this scene, the acting of the scene. I mean, there's that whole extended scene with Laurie Metcalf where it's basically yes. two cuts and, you know, she's like one part of that scene is like a six minute monologue from her. I, you know, whatever Louis CK did in a hotel room with someone doesn't take away from how amazing Laurie Metcalf is in that scene, you know? Oh yeah. And speaking of like great, child acting the kids in that show who play his kids are so fucking cute like i would have kids if they were like those kids those two girls they were oh i kind of remember and you know i i sort of not that i even watched the other one that much but i i confuse the kids in louie with the ones in that show with pamela adlon 
Um, oh, I never watched that one. Yeah, and now I'm forgetting what that one was called. Like that's okay. I'm just you know, my brain is a. Sieve. I feel like it's. I feel like it's called Life with Pam. Yeah, Life with <laughs> but Pam. But that's not what it is. Uh, I keep wanting to call it like. Uh, let's see. Oh wait, I'm gonna look it up because I don't think not knowing is an option. Uh, better things. I knew it was called something. Uh, I knew it had a name. Um, well, <laughs> speaking of people who are in things that I think you would be familiar with, uh. Let's let's stick with Ermengarde, uh, which is sort of like an Ermengarde yes. kind of name. Let's stick with her for a second because did you recognize her from a movie that you love, The Beautician and the Beast? <gasps> no. You love that movie. I do love you that movie. You actually love that movie. I really do. Yeah. I think it's so good. She's apparently in that movie and... Uh, for anyone who remembers the old days of, of MTV, she was the Bumblebee girl in the famous Blind Melon music video. Oh, I don't even know any of the words that just came out of your Oh, mouth. really? Oh, that's interesting. Just because we're like the same age, it's one of those things where you, it's like no one remembers. I, I was just talking about this with Johnny yesterday where like no one taught me to dip my fry in the Frosty at Wendy's. I just sure. did it on my own in the back seat. And we all just kind of learned it individually. No one ever taught us to do that. It's the grossest idea. But we all did it like it was second nature. And I just kind of thought the Blind Melon video was the same way. It was like, no one ever showed me that video. But it just found me at some point when I was like eight, you know. <laughs> I get that. It's yeah. like, I feel like the dipping the Frosty or excuse me, dipping the fries into the Frosty, was ne it wasn't on like a commercial. It was just like something, if you knew, you knew. Yeah, no, this was not like, you know, here's a fun hack from Dave Thomas, you know? Yeah, oh my gosh, Dave. So uh, anyway, so Irma, Irma Gerd, uh I feel like she is for Sarah. She's kind of like her scarecrow from the from the Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah, you fall in love with her almost instantly during that times table scene and the single tear. Oh, oh. yeah, when she doesn't get the times. And I'll tell you, that is the hardest one. Uh, seven times eight is a tricky one. And because uh, you're like, I know I'm going from the 40s to the 50s, but like 58, like I always sympathize with with Ermi in that situation. Yeah, I would always get confused with six times seven and like, uh, no, nine times eight was pretty good. I remember one time. And we had this like game where we had to line up in two lines and um, it was a multiplication game. So if I'm at the front of the line, you're you like square off with the person next to you to your right who's at the front of that line. And sh the teacher would say nine times four. And then I said 36. And then the person in the other line went to the back of the line so I could stay there for as long as I got them right. And I was knocking kids down left and right. And I remember very vividly. This girl named Sarah Ruffner, she was like the smartest kid in class. And I was pretty smart too, but huh, I, the, I think my teacher threw out 11 times 10. And I was like, what? <laughs> I oh, could not even yeah. think of it. And she said 110. And then I was to the back of the line. Ouch. I'll never forget it. Isn't no. it weird how you remember things like that? Absolutely. That's like third grade or fourth grade or something. But you will for the rest of your life. You will never I will. forget. I, I remember I was in a I was in a, a regional spelling bee in fifth grade, and I got to like fifth place. I got pretty far. I was like a robbed queen, and the word Ugh. I went out on was carburetor. That's C A R B U R E T O R, and I'll never forget it. Oh, do you remember how you misspelled it? I, I probably was like C A R B. O R B O R cardboard B O R A T O R. That's probably what I did. Ugh, that's hard. Yeah, it was a hard one. And like, and then the next word was electrolyte. I'm like, I know electrolyte. Come on. Oh my gosh. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, these little traumas. You know, Irma Gerd is never gonna forget that. You know, uh, eight times nine times seven times eight is fifty six. Whatever it was. Yeah, she studied all night long, Miss Minchin. Yeah, sorry, Miss Minchin. Uh, and I, you know, and I like that, like. Sarah is also once, or sorry, I'm going to do this the whole episode. I'm going to call everybody but Sarah, Sarah, where Irma Gerd <laughs> is kind of the first one once Sarah is banished to the attic as the servant of the house. She's kind of the first to break the seal and, and sneak upstairs. And, um, you know, and Sarah's like, I should have known you'd be different from the others. And I just, I think that that is at the core of this movie is like, when Sarah first arrives at the school, everyone except for Lavinia really embraces her and her storytelling. And then 
once she's banished to the attic, you know, and, and even before that, she and she kind of develops a little friendship with Becky. And then when she is become does become the servant, then Irma Gerd embraces her again. And then the other girls come for stories. And I feel like I couldn't bear this movie if all of the other little girls were mean to her as well. You know? Yeah, it adds so much texture. And I, I forgot all about Lavinia. And I saw her in the trailer. I was like, oh, yes. But I remember her being far worse like I thought she did like a couple other things to Sarah that was that were just like vile but she's I mean she's the worst but she's pretty tame like her bark is worse than her bite she doesn't really do anything to Sarah she's just mean like verbally yeah yeah she just I mean I think the meanest thing is when Sarah's like mopping the floor and she walks through it oh you know? that was that That's was bitchy. But Lavinia is a great little villain. Like she's just like a mean little girl. I just feel like that's a whole like super cut in these kind of movies is like the mean little girls of kid children's movies, you know? Oh yeah, and I love when Sarah's just like all girls are princesses, even snotty two-faced girls like you, Lavinia. Oh, so perfect. I love that. Yeah, and then she puts the little curse on Lavinia for so her hair will fall out. I, you know, uh, but then by the end, you know, Lavinia, I think, I, I think she realizes like, you know, fit in or fuck off Lavinia. You're going to have to hug this girl. You're going to have to <laughs> three times, the three times. The, oh, I, it's so specific. That was like, yes, I remember that, that edit, that kind of like ma- the edit with the kind of like that, that very Indian musical, uh, sting. Uh-huh. Yes. It's like this, like. I don't know. It's like this, almost like a stutter hug. It's just like hug, hug, hug. And yeah. it, it just makes it so much more impactful. I love that. Cause there is also like, there, there is kind of a, um, I guess it's a sitar. I guess that's the instrument mm-hmm. that plays mm-hmm. in all those little cues. Um, but they do that a couple of times. I think when she wakes up to see the, the attic filled with the breakfast and all the sheets and robes and whatnot, there's kind of a, oh, yeah. the same kind there's of static. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, I love that choice. I love that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there's Lavinia. There's the you know mean little Lavinia. I feel like the the featured little girls are Ermagerd, Lavinia, and then I would say probably uh, Lottie is the other one who is like the most uh, of a, of a character. Everyone else is kind of just like random little girls. Yeah, that's true. Although I do love the ones where um you know when <laughs> the one that like sort of stands up to Lavinia when she's like. I'm going up to hear the stories because anything's more exciting than watching your hair being brushed. And oh, then they yeah. all leave. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of love that. I love that. There's one that stays behind at the very end, that blonde girl. With the Lavinia. blonde, yeah. yeah and which, then, you know. then she just stands there when Lavinia hugs her, and I bet she's like, well, now what the fuck am I supposed to do? I was loyal all the way. We all hate Sarah. Now you're hugging her in three staccato <laughs> now cuts. A hug. Now yeah. a hug. The sitar is playing, and I'm standing here with my thumb in my ass like an idiot, you know? <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> um, but yeah, little Lottie, rest in peace, who, uh, you know, and I'll, I think what was interesting is, yes, there's 15% magical realism in this, but there's also the magic that Sarah creates because when she first encounters Lottie, Lottie is, you know, in hysterics because she wants to see her her mother who is dead. And, uh, and Sarah kind of, you know, connects with her. She's like, it explains that, you know, well, I don't have a mother either. And, you know, but that doesn't mean they're not here with us. They're angels and they're, uh, trying to send us messages, but we can't hear them if we're out in the hallway screaming. And I just think there's something really, I think that's so special that the magic in this movie is not just external. It's not just like, it's not just the magical Ram Dass next door, but like Sarah has her own magical powers, you know? Oh yeah. She's like wise and mature beyond her year. She never says a wrong thing ever. Mm -mm. And even when Lottie has her tantrum, like later during like the great, uh, you know, locket caper that all the girls (laughs) whip up Mm -hmm. and Lottie's, you know, like that, um, is it Amelia? Oh my gosh. What? Uh, Amelia? Amelia? Yeah. Amelia. She goes to run and she runs to go get Sarah because she knows she's the only person in the entire building that can, you know, uh, calm Lottie down. Yeah. Yeah. And like connect with her in some way. So it's like, you know, and even like, you know, Miss Minchin tells Mr. Barrows like, oh, you know, Sarah's a very popular one around here. You know what? Before she finds out that she's just a pauper, you know? Um, and so I, yeah. it's, I, I love it that beyond just whatever little, you know, hair falling out curse she uh, casts on Lavinia, Sarah overall casts not like a, 
an actual witchy spell, but just kind of a like she casts this like spell of charisma on everybody, you know? Yeah, for sure. She even um, I mean, I love that scene with Sarah and Amelia on the stairs when she's like, I think you like Francis. And she's like, what? Oh, no. She's like, how dare you say that? And he's like, I think he likes you, too. And she's like, oh, well, it's so funny. So, I mean, are you not getting a little Diane Barrows from It Takes Two from Amelia? Oh, I mean, she's one part like Marla Hooch, one part Kathy Jimmy and Sister Act. Uh huh. And I'd even say, I think it's the same actress, right? Uh, who's in? Uh, I'm asking you, and I don't even tell you what it is. Um, <laughs> who plays uh, Broomhilda in Robin Hood Men in Tights? I think it's the same Marla Hooch actress. Oh, in it, it, I think that's Megan. So not Rusty Schwimmer, but the woman who played. I'm sorry. Me. Yes. Um. This. I'm just Rusty Schwimmer as Amelia reminds me of all of these characters. I'm saying she has like a little part of all of those. All I those see. Women. Yes. And and that the uh the woman who played Marla Hooch also was in Men in Tights. Yes, I, she's yeah. great. I yeah. mean, it's there's all there's like an, a scene in Robin Hood Men in Tights where she falls off the balcony. Onto a horse, but, you know, it's the same sort of gag. It's like, oh, the bigger woman falls onto the guy or the horse. But, um, you know, I loved it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's such a thing, like, in the 90s. You know, we just did on All Right, Mary, we did The Preacher's Wife. and oh, which I, Have yes. you ever seen The Preacher's Wife? I think I, I actually have, and I don't remember a lick of it. It was, when, it was when I was working at, like, Bush Gardens in Virginia, which was, like, 10 years ago, maybe 11. So I, I watched it, but I don't remember anything. It's it's fine, but Loretta Devine is in it as a supporting character. Yes, and, of course. You know, and she and it's it's similar. I mean, this is another thing is like the when the particularly plus sized but just like quirky friend gets the kind of like sea love story plot, and it's always with like the derpy guy in town. And so obviously in this movie it's Amelia and Francis the milk guy, but in The Preacher's Wife it's. Uh, um, Loretta Devine's character and then this other guy who like drives the community bus but it's the same kind of like I, one of the things we talked about in that episode is like in the 90s it was like funny to watch fat people fall in love you know what I mean like it was such a thing yeah. it's oh my god she's fat and in love you know um, yeah that they can't come back they can't come down to earth and have regular emotions everything's like exaggerated sort mm -hmm. of you know yeah so even her escaping with Francis it has this home alone quality when she's like throwing the suitcases out at him out the window and then like drops onto him it's very much like you know Marvin what's his name you know getting paint cans smashed in their head in home alone yeah I I'm like trying to remember the other guy's name, Marv and Harry, right? Harry, there it is. Yes, but it's true. I mean, when Amelia is like hiding in the hallway as Miss um, Minchin is locking the door, and then like she like freezes, and then Miss Minchin walks by. <laughs> Amelia makes this like noise. She's like, oh. she like does this little like harumph. It's so funny. Yeah, I love that scene. She I... looks like she's on the Titanic in that hat. She did have kind of a like a, a Titanic extra or like, you know, uh, reading for the role of unsinkable Molly Brown kind of energy yes, scene. But watch out, Kathy Bates. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I really I I think Amelia is also like a relief like that, like from the beginning, you know, like, OK, there is an Amelia. There's like a nicer adult here who ultimately is going to be an ally. Like I've seen enough of these movies. I know that I can trust this character. Yeah, in a way, it's like e this type of character would end up maybe running the school for herself, you know, or like, mm -hmm. you know, making it the school that she wants. But she doesn't. I kind of love that she's like, I don't really love kids anyway. So, yeah. And, and Sarah's like, well, then get out of here. Right. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Get lost. You don't want to do this. This this sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so she's a she's a nice little addition. But, you know, we've kind of been uh, tip tapping around Eleanor Braun, who I think Oof. is iconic as Miss Minchin. I think I think it is a level of commitment <clears throat> that could sit very comfortably next to Angelica Houston and the witches. Oh, yeah. She looks like the human version of, I guess it's, is it Cinderella? Like the evil stepmother and Cinderella, the uh -huh, hair. Uh-huh. It's all in the hair. But yeah, it's like this woman is perfect. And it's not over the top it there's like layers there she plays the harp 
I, you know, and of course, like her wiping her tears at the top of the stairs with her palm and sort of like humming. She's like, mm, mm, like these, like these noises is she's perfect. She's yeah. so good in this movie. You know, I, I, before I watched for this episode, like I couldn't fully remember. I was like, well, I know that she's mean in this, but like, I can't remember what all we get from her. And it really is. Uh, it's such. It, I would say it's probably very similar to Louise Fletcher as Nurse Ratchet. I feel like there's a lot of inspiration there, um, but I I appreciated that we also did get some. And I have a clip of this. Um, Ooh, yes. We do get some semblance of like, oh, why why is Miss Minchin like this? You know, like surely she was a little girl once, didn't she? Ever feel like a princess? And so, and this is all the scene that then precedes her locking Sarah in her bedroom and crying in the hallway. Yes, and it's just before I play the the scene, it's worth mentioning that the concept of the single tear throughout this movie is like there's a you know Irma Gerd has her single tear in the classroom yes. Sarah's got some single tears I feel like Miss Minchin had one I think somebody else does I feel like maybe one of their little girls but like there was just a a, a frequent focus in on somebody having a dramatic single tear yeah and so this scene which I think is a great highlight a perfect highlight of both Liesl Matthews and Eleanor Braun I think the two of them, like, I love the idea of like this, this Eleanor Braun, who has been, you know, acting for decades, has been in some huge movies, is apparently the inspiration for the song Eleanor Rigby. Like, she's no fucking no slouch. Way. Yeah, yeah. And so she's no fucking slouch. And then here's Hollywood newcomer Liesl Matthews. And I would say they are um, completely matching each other in this scene. Going toe to toe. Yeah. It's time you learn, Sarah Crewe. That real life has nothing to do with your little fantasy games. It's a cruel, nasty world out there. And it's our duty to make the best of it. Not to indulge in ridiculous dreams, but to be productive and useful. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, ma'am. Good. But I don't believe in it. Don't tell me you still fancy yourself a princess. <laughs> Good God, child, look around you. Or better yet, look in the mirror. I am a princess. Oh. All girls are. Even if they live in tiny old attics, even if they dress in rags, even if they aren't pretty or smart or young, they're still princesses, all of us. Didn't your father ever tell you that? Didn't he? If I find you up here with any of the girls again, I will throw you out into the street! Uh, I, it's I, so good. It's so good. There's so many great moments in that. When when Miss Minchin goes, "Good God, girl, look around." I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. That's a great line. But like, match like Liesl Matthew, Matthews matching that with, didn't he? <laughs> I know exactly. It's interesting listening to the audio of that because the pauses are so. It feels like you could drive a truck through them, but when it like. I don't know what they're doing during it, but it doesn't feel that way when you're watching it too. There, it's great. Yeah, no, I think there's just a lot of intense stares and a lot of like, you know, uh, just and and you know, yeah. whenever like I feel like there was a little bit of the magical tinkle come in uh, when she starts to give her speech, and I felt like Sarah was starting to like cast her like I know the truth about you kind of spell on Miss Minchin. Like there was there was like a magical like understanding of Miss Minchin at that moment, you know. Oh, yeah, she, like, cut to the core of her, mm -hmm. and she knew exactly what to say. And I think she was just surprised that Sarah went there Yeah, could go there. And I think especially saying, like, didn't your father ever tell you you were a princess? It was like, oh, this all goes back to Mr. Minchin. Yeah, it's like it's an obvious sort of question that maybe a child would ask, especially given, you know, how her child or her father talks to her about being a princess that you, but it just it 
Oh, gosh. It, but it, it's so interesting because it's the only time we really get to see that. And it is also interesting that Amelia turned out to be, you know, a good egg, so to speak. But, you know, I feel like Miss Minchin is the the older sister. Oh, I mean, I think that this is like, you know, a, another great example of this. I don't, you haven't seen Ever After, but when you do... You'll yeah. see how Melanie Linsky is the Amelia. She's the good sister who eventually is. I think also it, that's another example of like a dopey love story. I feel like she, there's like some dope and tights that she meets and falls in love with in that movie. Um, yes. But, you know, in, then in comparison, her the other stepsister is evil, you know. You got to have it. You got to have the yin and yang. Yeah. And I mean, how bad can Amelia be the moment she pulls that apple pie out of the oven? I was like, you're an angel in my book. <laughs> That pie looked... Oh, it looked so good. I was so afraid because, you know, when movies in the 90s do close-ups on pies or other nice-looking food, you think, well, that pie is going to get knocked on the floor, isn't it? I know, or like fall on someone's face. But that would hurt. It's, uh, you know, it just came out of the oven. Yeah. I I wouldn't want Amelia taking a bite of that. No. Burn uh, her tongue. And she needs it for Francis, you know? That's true. And I will say, Francis the Milkman, he's not that bad-looking. I mean, when he he shows up, he's a good-looking guy. I, I thought he they I'm sure they'll be very happy together you know um oh. that's the spinoff I want to know like where do they live does he live in like you know the the 1910s version of like Brooklyn Heights you know what I mean like yeah what's his what, what's their New York story when she escapes you know and becomes a milkman's wife oh gosh it's like I want them to have like three kids but I also don't want them to have any kids at the same time yeah she hates kids yeah yeah she doesn't or she does yeah. excuse me um. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, while we mentioned the apple pie, I do just feel like this is an important time to oh, to highlight the food in this movie um, because I think the apple pie is in terms of like childhood memories and like things. The apple pie I kind of forgot about, but what I never forgot about was that cinnamon roll that Sarah gets with the money oh, that she gets as a handout, yes. and then she gives it to the flower, the flower woman's kid. And I was like, that cinnamon roll is stunning. It's, I love a cinnamon cinnamon roll, and Keon does not really. He likes all desserts, but he'll pass on a cinnamon roll. It's his one thing that I guess everyone has one thing that they're just like meh. On, but I mean, I disagree. I love it. Does he have like any specific feelings on Cinnabon? <sighs> what's the difference? Cinnabon, cinnamon roll. What's what's well, or Cinnabon? Is that what you're Cinna- talking about? Sorry, Cinnabon. Like yes, Cinna- Cinnabon. Cinnabon. I feel like um, Cinnabon is like a cinnamon roll, like on meth. You know what I mean? So I kind of just feel like I mean I can't think of anyone who doesn't like the center of a Cinnabon. That, yeah, that's often my argument is like, but the center, Keon, with like the goop in it, and it's like almost undercooked, yeah. but not. Oh, my God. You can't. And I think it's just perfect. Yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, he can uh, he can take it or leave it. But yes, going back to this, it's so big. It looks so big in her hands. It's like steaming. It's a shame that she had to give it up. Yeah. But, you know, it's a nice moment. She, you know, I'll, I think another one of those childhood memories is the flower lady and her poor kids and and her just like, would you like to buy a flower? Would you like to buy a flower? And I'm, I, I worry about them too. I'm like, I keep wanting there, there to be another scene where she's like, and I'm going to adopt you guys as well, you know? I know. What, what does she say? Like she's like for the princess. Yeah, for <laughs> the princess. But it works. Princess. It's so perfect. Well, and I and it's such a lovely moment because at that point Sarah is is like I am not a princess anymore. Like I am just yes. this poor servant trying to bring home the bread, you know. And then encounter someone who's even more unfortunate than her, who you know uh, she she gives away her cinnamon roll, and I would say that uh, that is an act of. Great, great service. I think that does count as being called a little princess. But yeah, it's the flower lady who first reminds her that no, you're still a princess. Uh, and then like, I think it's in the same trip or maybe like a scene or two later where this is a very formative scene when the leaves start to blow and she meets Ramdas like in the streets and he's just looking like, and he's like adorned in these beautiful clothes and he just like, she looks up at him and he's so friendly and kind and like the the shot like where they pull back and the leaves are blowing it's so perfect oh i mean it's such a a a moment from the trailer is her 
little cape flowing away in the wind yes. like and running into his legs and that's when i mean this movie i had so many moments where like my heart just lived in my throat but that i was like <gasps> it's rob dots you know like because i just i, I was like oh thank god i just need you to encounter him you know yeah and i mean another great moment between the two of them is like the snow scene again i don't really need to know what's going on but i just love their connection together like across the way they're just like mm-hmm. putting their arms up and like that shot of her in the bedroom with like the the doors flying open it is so gorgeous oh yeah the dancing in the snow it's another another great trailer moment of course um yes, yes. yeah it's you know I, and i do feel like that is a really interesting part of this that isn't it isn't kind of explained as anything other than than it is what it is that she, you know, grew up or spent much of her childhood in India and that like that is a big part of her life and like um it adds another layer to this that I think makes this all very interesting that like she has this very like worldly point of view and has an appreciation of other cultures and like I hope nobody's putting like a 2022 lens on this and like reading it as like cultural appropriation or magical Indian people or whatever, because I just don't think that's what this movie is. I think this is all like a a sort of celebration and appreciation as that as part of her upbringing in the same way that if somebody grew up in, you know, Tahiti and they love the beach, you know? Yeah. I think it adds to it. it. It's, it's, um, it's part of the story, even like the separate sort of, uh, I, w- I want to say fairy tale, but sort of the story of like the 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 two lovers that are sort of separated by that mm-hmm. crazy monster. I remember being scared of that when I was a kid, just only slightly. Um, but yeah, I think it it's because of all that, that she is the way that she is and that she's able to connect with people the way she does. Yeah, and I think it actually, in, a, in an interesting way, it, it kind of explains why she doesn't like when there's the, where she first sees Becky and then like Becky runs away and Lottie says, Oh, well, she's not supposed to talk to us because she's a servant and she has dark skin. And Sarah says, so what, why does that matter? And Lottie's like, well, doesn't it matter? You know? And, and doesn't like, that mean doesn't something? that mean something? And I feel like it, it's interesting that like Sarah, like, m- potentially may have never encountered a black person before if she like spent most of her life in India, but certainly she is not bothered by being around people who are a different skin color than her. And I think they, instead of just having Sarah be like, Oh, of course, Sarah, she's just the perfect little princess and she loves everybody. There's actually an explanation as to why she doesn't reject or treat Becky the way that other girls who are growing up in, in, you know, New York at that time might see a black girl. Yeah, she's been around brown people her brown people her entire life. Like it's it makes so much sense. She kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, she's like Princess Diana. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just feel like she's just so likable mm-hmm. and it, it like it speaks volumes to like her as an actress but also the character itself. Um I I want I think we need to talk about the final scene, Colin. I get like, as soon as I heard the first crack of distant thunder, like setting up that final like sequence, Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think I breathed once. Oh my God. It is. It's the whole yacht sequence in the last episode of the white Lotus. It's just like, Oh my God, this is so intense. And yeah, indeed. Miss Minchin discovers that she, you know, she's been given back the locket by the other girls and decides that she is a thief and is calling the police to have her, Uh, taken away at once and you know that's when she and sarah have to plot their you know plot her escape uh, you know uh, between the two buildings to to mr randolph's house and um and you know what i love about this is her you know she's she's crossing this this floorboard between the two houses and then the floorboard falls and then she's hanging there like you know sliced alone in cliffhanger and I couldn't remember what was going to happen and I was half expecting like Ram Dass to come grab her but I love that in this moment Sarah fucking saves herself it is like physiologically impossible for this little girl to save herself the way she does in this moment but I love that no one comes to save her yes I forgot that she fell I was like okay well, I know she makes it to the other house but I, I think I, I, I know I gasped 
<laughs> yeah. Like when that board fell. And I just love how Miss Minchin like also gasps, but then the moment she knows that she's okay, she's like, well, get over there. Yeah, right, right. Well, and I think that there's also an element here of like, I wonder what kind of magical realism was here because it, the idea of her like falling, but still being able to catch the ledge, like it's just from the dist, it, it doesn't make any sense, but I kind of feel like there was a little bit of magic here. There was something yep. that, that gave her the, the ability to catch the ledge and the strength to pull her entire body weight up after she was hanging off of a pinky. Uh, I know that. Yes. I was like, she's done. She's done. I was like, that's it. She's, she's a little hamburger. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, then she gets downstairs and finally encounters her father in that sitting room. And I feel like this is, I, this has to be a childhood trauma for so many people. This idea of like her father doesn't remember her. Uh, I just have to say before we get into the final stretch, that one of my favorite mismentioned moments is when Sarah opens the door and she's standing there and she's like, she flew off the ledge like an animal. And then she <laughs> yeah, like sl- right, shuts right. The door. It was just funny. Um, but yes, it is. It's such a quiet scene, you know. Like they're searching the upstairs, and she just kind of hides in the corner like a like a scared cat in an alleyway and he comes up and and it's funny because you both at this point we know that it's her dad and you're waiting for her to like look up and realize it and then eventually she does and i have a little clip of this because this is good sarah at a 27 this is liesel matthews at a full 27 trying to get her father to recognize her and i think this is some phenomenal acting here I'm sorry. Pop, it's me, it's Sarah. Sarah, do you know me? Oh, God, Papa, don't you remember me? You must be in here. Papa, please, you've got to know me. It's Sarah, remember? Remember India and Maya? Remember the Ramayana and Emily and the locker with Mama's picture in it? No. Oh, God, Papa, please. Sarah. Papa, please. Do you know this man? Papa, tell them. child has no father. Take her away! No! Ugh. A Ugh. great scream. Oh my god, I just the way that she goes, remember the Ramayana? I mean, that is yes. just... Yes. Oh my god, she, she is Tony Collette and fucking hereditary in this scene. It's so beautiful. And Miss Minchin, it's like, she... Does Minch... Min, Minch... Does Minch mention? Does Miss Minchin know that it's her well i guess she never met him no no no. she did she did meet him so like she's even more evil for realizing that it is her father and being like nope get her out yeah there's this like brief moment where she looks and she you can see it on her face of her putting it together and says this child has no father like it is it's like so fucked up and then i mean i gotta say they're dragging her out of the house and i feel like this sound will forever be like the the greatest catharsis I'll ever feel. Sarah! <laughs> it's like what we what we want to scream the entire time. Yes, and I'm just like, because it's it is it's just so intense, and they're like, oh my god, she because they're haul they're gonna haul Becky away as well because Minchin's like take this one too, and. You're, and then you're like, come on, Dad, remember. And that's when Ram Dass has one of those sitar moments, and I feel like gives him kind of like a little, a little, ah, oh, you remember. He's like, you better get out there yeah. quick. You, you, need to, you need to move, sweetheart. Yeah, you need to get your shit together. It's so, and the rain, mm-hmm. and the music, and the thunder. Ugh, it is, it's so good. It's incredible, yeah. And, you know, and I, I had to read a a recap to put this together because I didn't realize that in the end Mr. Randolph ends up buying and running it and that's why Minchin becomes the you know charwoman and ends up just being the the chimney sweep with that kid yeah where she's like when do I get my break yeah all of a sudden she was like she was so broad in that last line Oh, gee, when do I get my break? Yeah, she's Diane from It Takes Two. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, she was Diane in that first line. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hanging out the window. Yeah. Um, uh, And yes, and then, you know, Sarah, again, much like It Takes Two, it's like, well, 
we should be sisters now, you know? And uh. so I guess it's just decided this man who's never met Becky before was like, well, guess I'm adopting you too. And um, Becky and Sarah, I guess, go back to India with her father, played by Liam Cunningham, who I keep kept thinking should have been or was Jason Isaacs, but was not. I could not not think that yeah. the entire time. Yeah. I think, like, if this was remade, though, Jason Isaacs might be a little bit too old. I feel like they would get, um, oh, he's a very handsome man that was in Atonement. Um, and he's an Irish man, I think, or Scottish, I think. Oh, um, yes. Oh, and he's so hot. And he was in that movie uh, Split. Uh, um, James McAvoy. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 Um, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, a little princess. It really is. Uh, now, you said you had a list of like, cool, were there like other little flashbulb moments or things that stood out to you from your childhood that came up again? I mean, that whole sequence of getting Sarah's locket back is very, I remember like Becky's scream. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it almost sounds like she blew her voice out, like the way that she screams. Yeah. When she says she needs a, or she thought she saw a mouse. The breakfast is is very like, yeah, I think we... We hit everything, which I love. Oh, that, I just, you know, the the breakfast, I did write down this line is, you know, they're kind of like, Sausage. she's like, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm a little scared. And, and, you know, and then Sarah's like, do you think we shouldn't eat it? And then Becky's like, I'm not that scared. And it's such a cute moment. I, I was like, that was such a nuance that the two of them played of like, oh, do you think we shouldn't eat it? Like, it was, yes, it was like, it's like, eat so the fucking cute. sausages. <laughs> I know. And like the way they put on the robes for each other, they're like, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Yeah. It's so fun. Uh, I also like that there was at some point when the monkey comes over while she's telling all the girls the story and they all scream and she's like, it's all right. It's just my little monkey friend. And I was like, if my dream of ever meeting a a man with true monkey qualities comes true, that is how I'm going to introduce him to people. Oh, it's okay. This is my little monkey friend. Oh, I love that. Uh, (laughs) And I thought, what if, what if it happens? You know, I mean, like, it will. It will. It you know, if, will. if I'm going to get into a relationship with anyone, he's going to have to look like a monkey. That's all that we ask. Yeah. I do not ask for, I don't ask for anything else. I don't care if he's, <laughs> I don't care if he's, you know, dead behind the eyes otherwise, you know? Yes. So, uh, Anyway, um, oh, there was one point where the monkey was like cuddled up with her dad while he was like in bed at Mr. Randolph's house. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is heaven to get cuddles from a monkey. That would be so cute. Yeah. Um, You know, I guess the last thing that I would just say or that I really have is, uh, you know, the director, Alfonso Cuaron, which I'm sure I'm just, you know, not doing a great job pronouncing. um, This was his... uh, American movie uh, debut, but he also directed E2 Mama Tambien. He directed one of the Harry Potter movies. Yes. He directed Children of Men and one of my favorite movies, Gravity. Yes, which I still haven't seen. Really? Oh, wow. We talked about it. I know. Oh, it's such a, oh my God. It's just such an incredible movie. I, I really think, I mean, you and Keon should watch it together, but like, your palms will be sweating the whole time. I know. I think that's why I'm putting it off. I'm just like, I don't want to be stressed. And I know it's, it'll happen. It'll happen one of these days. But it's Sandra Bullock. So you're not like, you're, it's not like Dancer in the Dark. You know what I mean? Like you're still in good hands. (laughs) Because you have Sandra Bullock and, and George Clooney. So you're still like, she she's so capable the whole time. Or he's so, she has her fault. Like she goes through a journey, but like, yeah. No, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, my God. It's so incredible because the best thing about that movie is the story itself is so simple. And I we've probably talked about this all before, but, like, it is the simplest story, and that's what makes it so crazy. Like, it's just this nightmarish, like, moment happening in the worst possible place. Ugh. I'm already sweating. Oh, it's so good. Uh, <laughs> and he directed that movie Roma that had obviously some Oscar yes. buzz that uh, yes. I did not see. That's still an omission on my list. But Same, same. But yeah, uh, this was uh, this was incredible. And I'm so glad we covered this. Uh, and, and I got to rewatch A Little Princess. Uh, 90s excellence. Yeah. Well, you know. 
don't know what to tell you. Uh, either Miss Minchin's coming or that's us getting played off. But either way, we got to get the <laughs> hell out of here. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kuchev. How about you? Well, you could find me on Instagram at Drucker underscore. Or you could find me on All Right Mary, where we are wrapping up this week our final episode of Dragula Titans, which I'm very excited about. Ooh. And uh, we'll have a special episode out on Christmas uh, for everybody. We're going to have an episode on Hook out on Christmas. So that'll be fun. And then uh, I feel like on the main feed, we might maybe take a little time off if we can because then season 15 starts on january 6th so storm in the capital hunties <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the tagline oh my I god know. that's good um but anyway that's that's all the places you can find me and you can find both of us in a best supporting capacity on instagram at bsa pod or you can send us an email at the bsa pod at gmail.com and uh, keep your little princess peepers peeled because in the Best Supporting After Show, which we're about to record uh, and will be out on Friday. Uh, a Christmas episode. A Christmas episode. Uh, we do have a little surprise that you don't know about. It, I, I don't, don't want to play it up. It's just a little thing we're going to do. Um, but okay. then, you know, we're going to catch up us on our, you know, BSAs of the week and our Best Supporting Assignments and, you know, wish you a Merry Friggin' Christmas. Uh, I can't wait. Speaking of surprises, this is just something very small. I announced on this podcast previously that one of my favorite lines from Hook was Maggie Smith screaming at the bottom of the stairs, and the children were screaming. But Keon recently rewatched that movie. He went to make cookies with some friends uh, last weekend, and he told me that it was not Maggie Smith who says that line. It's another woman in the movie. So... I just had to say that going into it. You'll still love it, but um, I can't wait for you to watch it. Well, and I think somebody wrote in as well on Patreon. and, and Oh, that's right. That. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I think, yeah. So double corrections this week. So yeah. I stand corrected. In my mind, it's Maggie Smith, but uh, it's not. <laughs> I think how you choose to remember things. I wanted to remember that Rusty Schwimmer played a nurse on many episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Turns out she's a guest in one episode. Uh, so... You know what? It's all about make-believe. If I learned anything from Sarah Crew, and the, the music has stopped playing us off because it realizes we're going to go and we want to. Uh, <laughs> but if I learned anything from Sarah Crew, it's that you, you just got to make-believe and you got to just imagine the hot muffins and the sausages and believe the Maggie the Smiths. Yeah. Yes. Magic Maggie Smith. Yeah, with a side of sausage. Oh, beautiful. And that, as they say, is that. Is <laughs> that.